how did you train yourself to be able to stop, listen, pause, say I don't don't know, and 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 not not jump in? I think that's something that many people wrestle with, right? Right, because we tend to get promoted as a result of having all of the ideas and being able to answer questions. So there comes a point, I think, a certain leadership transition where we suddenly need to stop doing some of the stuff that's got us to where we are. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's absolutely right. It's, it's, you know, beware of the Peter principle that you're promoted to your level of incompetence. <laughs> um, and it, it's, it's true, isn't it, that you, you, you're good at one job, so the management above you decides that, you know, you, or, or you leave and you get a, you get a better paid or a higher status job. And you, it, careers aren't really very linear anymore. And the experience that really sticks in my mind was pretty early in my career. By the way, that doesn't mean that I got things right from there on in. But um, it was in my first job in the voluntary sector, actually, that we, we were working on a huge human rights conference in Paris. And it, it was kind of my first time in kind of proper management. And, and a, a bit like the old journalist that I was at heart, I came in one day and my colleague who, who was reporting to me was in tears. She was really distressed. And long and short of it was that this conference in Paris was about to go belly up. You know, it was about to fall apart. It would have been a disaster. We had, you know, the French president's wife as a keynote speaker, just to put it in perspective. Um, and essentially what she said was, look, this is your fault. You're not supporting me. And, you know, I, I kind of batted that back. And, no, I've told you exactly what you need to do. You know, I've, you've, um, you, you know the deadlines. You've got the, you've got the money to do it. I didn't really buy that it was my fault. And, of course, what I realised probably not quite as quickly as I should have done, is she was absolutely right because I'd made that fatal mistake. I'd thought about the task, but I hadn't thought about the person doing the task and I hadn't really been checking in to understand how she was doing and you know what was kind of proceeding well and what wasn't. And I think, I think that experience was really career-changing for me because it just made me think about, actually, it's not enough to say there's a task and get on with it. You've got to you know understand the motivations and the the habits and the kind of personality of the of the person doing the job, and and, and again, I think that comes back round to the the principle: how can you honestly f- pretend that you know the ins and outs of how somebody's mind is working? You, you should work hard at it, but but actually, people are complex, and and it's it's getting under the skin of that that I think helps to you know drive somebody to perform as well as they possibly can. Yeah, it's fascinating, Brian. It reminds me of something I read, which was the book's called. Extreme Ownership is written by a gentleman called Jocko Willink, which is who is an ex-Navy SEAL. And the premise of his book is basically what the title would suggest. But he suggested in the book that um, ultimately as a leader, you absolutely own and ultimately have accountability for everything that your your team does, which is quite interesting if you really start to, to test in, say, like, whenever anything that my team or organization do doesn't doesn't go well and ultimately it comes back to you and if you try and test that and really answer those questions that you end up posing to yourself brutally honestly i I actually struggle to disprove his his theory because if you delegate a task and to somebody and it's not done to the standard you want it done then perhaps as you said you delegated to the wrong person maybe you didn't understand what else they had on maybe you didn't set a realistic timetable you didn't check in with them so actually if you really do want to take ownership of things as a leader you you can trace things back to you it's that old sort of 
cliche, isn't it? Every time you point a finger at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back at you, which I'm not sure that that quite translates via a, an audio podcast about seeing a picture of a, a clenched fist with one finger pointing out. But it's an interesting, really interesting point that you raise. Yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, I haven't read the book, but I mean, in a way that I'm, I'm struck in, by that example that you gave about that's the difference between accountability and responsibility, isn't it? You can't be responsible for everything that happens. Um, you know, the universe has its own laws, and you know, I'm, I'm minded of that lovely scene in the kids' film Kung Fu Panda. He says, no, no matter how try you hard, that peach tree will always be a peach tree. You might be able to plant it somewhere else, but you can't, yeah. you can't change that. So you're not responsible for everything, but you are ultimately accountable if you're the leader. And that's why I think that kind of principle of having a bit like they do in the airline industry, which helped transform the safety record across the world, is that sort of no-blame culture. So, yes, yeah. something will go wrong. And if we encourage a culture in which people put their hands up and explain why, and we learn from that, we'll continue to be an organisation that improves all the time rather than one that goes goes backwards. So I think it's that it can sometimes be a bit scary thinking, am I responsible for every single thing that happens? Well, you know you can't be, but what you can be is accountable and to drive the, the kind of that culture of improvement. <laughs>